0: place we could go so close your eyes
1: and make a wish for the skies with the angriest flappiest birds and the seas with ridiculous fish
0: guys, what is up and welcome to the Touch Arcade show episode number 572. This is going to be a very special episode because um, we were actually guests on the Mac Rumors podcast this week, which uh, most of you know, uh, Mac Rumors is the sister side of Touch Arcade. And um, they wanted to do a gaming episode where they kind of talked about iOS and Mac gaming. And of
1: course, Eli and myself are experts in that area. I also have been badgering Dan at MacRumors for, I don't know, years now. Uh, telling That's him true, to, too. Get me on this fucking podcast.
0: My, se- my secret uh, theory for why Eli was wanting to be on so badly is just so that he can be featured in a MacRumors post that has MacRumors forum commenters commenting on it. Ooh. So he can see the sort of train wreck that will happen. Well, uh, we can check right now. You get perverse pleasure out of that, don't you?
1: We can check right now. Twenty-three <laughs> comments. I, I haven't
0: looked to see. So, uh, so far, what, it's, the Mac Rumors forums are just kind of notoriously crazy. It's kind of like the last bastion of crazy forum stuff, yes. right? Like that sort of thing um, just doesn't exist anymore.
1: No, not at all. Yeah, Mac is very, very unique in in that. Um, and so the comments so far, are people basically just like answering the title of the article yeah and then nope. some guy dumb question
0: like, what now
1: <laughs> all all fired up about the existence of podcasts in general
0: <laughs> well the title was is something like is apple finally taking gaming seriously or whatever yeah. so all the, even on twitter and stuff it's like no what a stupid thing to ask of course not <laughs>
1: you know whatever. can someone explain to me why they would spend an hour listening to this podcast no it would take well, can someone minutes. explain to me why
0: you would spend time commenting on a mac rumors forum? yeah i don't um no. but anyway but so
1: i i really enjoyed when we were like just before we kicked off starting i was just like giving dan shit asking about like ground rules which you're not allowed to swear on the mac rumors podcast so uh, well, i think they just try to avoid it well either way not like uh, not like our low it's like, I was like you guys do you guys allow tangents and they were like uh we try not to because the listeners get pretty mad if we uh don't follow the topic of the show and i was just thinking like oh that's weird because we have people that'll email us about like drywall tips like. Can you... <laughs> <laughs>
0: i think i think that over the last 10 plus years we've been doing this podcast we have we've weeded out the people that are expecting an on-topic thing and now all that's left is like our hardcore community of people that like to hear us bullshit yeah and okay. uh that's kind of a beautiful thing actually that's, so uh um, better that way anyway so uh, point i'm trying to get at is that we're gonna um me and Eli are gonna chit chat a little bit about a couple of topics we want to t- talk about this week and um maybe hit an email or two because uh several of you have emailed in it's getting us very excited so um but sometimes those emails lead to very long uh side discussions and i don't think we really have time for that a oh, because did. i need to leave early today because i'm going out of town and b because there's going to be about an hour of a mock mac rumors podcast stitched onto the end of whatever we're doing right now yeah um so which is kind of cool i it, it to be honest like um I feel like that podcast was me and you talking most of the time anyway. That's okay. Um, Very much like how we would on our own podcast if we suddenly got very serious about the subject of Apple and gaming. Um, So hopefully everyone that listens to our normal podcast and does like the BS doesn't mind that we do like an hour of, of semi-serious discussion about Apple and gaming. Because I think <laughs> a lot of good stuff was brought up um, in regards to that. So anyway um we'll be like this is good but
1: they're not talking about jared's dog's back issues like why am (laughs) i even listening to this
0: (laughs) yeah i know we we don't care about apple and gaming we want to hear about uh what eli's landscape disaster next landscape Uh, disaster is so anyway um the big topic I think, well, I it's up. Do, do you want to get onto the cool things on your face? Well, not that well, you're not wearing them now, but
1: well, yeah. So, so I guess to follow up on last week, you know, it was, um, uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, basically the, uh, thing that I kind of, so I've been getting like a full court blitz of, or full, uh, field blitz. I don't know what, the, I'm not a sports person, whatever the right thing, whatever players mm-hmm. do when they push forward, that's what I've been getting. Mm-hmm. And, um, advertising surrounding these new like meta smart glasses right yeah so yeah i've been been, uh, casually interested in in this i don't know just wearable tech i think is interesting to me right but the um previous iterations have just been sort of too shitty uh Mm -hmm. in in kind of like real irritating ways where it was just sort of like yeah i'm not gonna buy these ones but like when they get Mm -hmm. cool like i'll buy them and mm-hmm. it seems like the, the meta, the new meta wayfarers is like that, that it, 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 we're there kind of sort of. Kind well, of. It, ma-
0: it makes me laugh that last week you were asking if anyone has any, any experience on these, let us know, because I'm thinking about buying them and you bought them already. So well, like... no, so
1: here, here's the thing. Like, so I, they're sold through lens crafters and mm-hmm. sunglass hut, I guess. And like, mm-hmm. so I was like, Oh, neat. Cool. I can like go check these out. Um, and, uh, you know, the person I talked to at LensCrafters had, like, no fucking idea what I was talking about. <laughs> that's uh, not surprising at all. The, the person that, at Sunglass Hut, like, knew what I was talking about, but they didn't have them. And they were like, dude, if I were you, I'd just order them online and return them if you don't like them. And I was like, that's a good idea. Uh, so it's that's exactly what I did. So I bought them on Amazon and yeah. have been messing around with them. I got them to stay. So that's a pretty, pretty fresh experience. So, yeah. Um, I, they're really cool, like cooler than I was sort of expecting. Like the, yeah. um, the video and photo quality is surprising how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the voice assistant stuff is extremely cool because it, um, I don't know. I was reading a little bit about it uh, before I got them, and I guess it's like sort of leaning into the whole like Chat GPT like large language model kind of thing, mm-hmm, and it's like. Mm-hmm pretty interesting how it seems like so conversational um mm-hmm. as opposed to how clinical um like siri and alexa can sort of feel comparatively you know mm-hmm. yeah. where it's like um you, you know like yeah i can i can get both platforms to do what i want them to do but it's like but I you've been to, using it for a while and you yeah, kind of know how to navigate those waters yeah like i have to speak their language like i've got a yeah. I've got my stupid car linked up to Alexa and can like have it turn the heat on, but I have to Mm -hmm. like say a very deliberate phrase and everything else Mm -hmm. to like get that going. Whereas like Mm -hmm. so far the meta stuff seems like way more conversational. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know how much of that is them leaning into this large language model thing Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, or what, but it's, it's like, I don't know. It's it I was in my car messing around with it as I was driving and I was like, you know, this like feels like like vaguely like Tony Hawk to, or Tony uh not Tony Hawk, Tony uh Stark <laughs> yeah. talking to, to like Jarvis in the in the Marvel movies, you know, because yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. like having a conversation with your glasses and it's just like yeah. and and so they've got speakers like right uh right in front of your ears. So it responds uh-huh. to you, but only you can hear it. And it's, have you verified
0: that like talking in front of um like yeah. Lindsay and stuff like can she hear it
1: yeah so so um so they're open open ear headphones basically more or less you know mm-hmm. and like when i turn it up all the way she can hear something but she's like you know it just sounds like you're talking on the phone and like you just have your speaker up loud like mm-hmm, a, like an mm-hmm. old person talking on their phone you know where it's like do 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 kind of thing um where you know you just just hear kind of something that you kind of recognize is mm-hmm. like, a but you're voice, not like hearing it,
0: every and understanding what you are hearing. Really?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it seems, seems pretty cool. I mean, the battery life on them definitely doesn't seem to be the best, but at the same time, like no. I was just messing with them like constantly, you know? So like, uh, I kind of wonder if longer term that sort of cools down a little bit. Cause I joined mm-hmm. this, um, I found a like weird wearables discord thing that I joined. I was asking people <laughs> that have them like what their experience is. And mm-hmm. it sounds like sort of, you know, exactly what I suspected where it's like, um, you know, if you just wear them as glasses and maybe take a couple of pictures or whatever, they'll last, like most slash all of the day, mm-hmm. um, but heavy use the battery drains pretty quickly. Um, what's been kind of surprising is, uh, how fast they re- recharge in the case. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was I was like wearing them like so I was running some errands this afternoon real quick during lunch and uh I mm-hmm. was wearing them when I was driving and messing around while I was driving. I put them on at 70%. I took them off at like mm-hmm. 55% or something mm-hmm. like that. Um and I was like, oh wow, this is a lot of batteries. Uh so put them in the case, went in the store, got like two things and came back out. So it wasn't I wasn't in there very I don't know how long I was mm-hmm. in there, but like However long it takes you to like go in, grab something, go through self-checkout, get back to your car. And they're back at 100%. Wow. So, I don't know. I, I mean, the initial experience is pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. So, I I eventually just was like, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just order these uh, on. on as With
0: the prescription. Cost. Yeah. And so,
1: I uh, the the shipping estimate is November 28th, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, hopefully, that's one of those things where they just like give you a crazy estimate. And I was like, oh, guess what? Shipping next week.
0: I just, uh, I ordered a, uh, iPhone case or whatever that wasn't out yet. And it was, it's shipping was October 31st and November 1st or whatever. And then it was like, I got the email, like it shipped and it's like, okay, like November 13th to 14th is your estimated arrival. I'm like, dang. Uh, and then it showed up on the second, (laughs) it showed up like in a day, you know? So I feel like that they really try to like over, over promise on those things or under promise, I guess. But, um, yeah. So the, you talking about the meta stuff? Um, did you watch the Humane demo
1: of their little thing that they announced this week? No. Do you know what Humane is? No idea. I, I really don't pay attention to the happenings of of well, Facebook. It, so
0: Humane was like a, a a company that was started like three or four years ago, I think, um, and uh, got all this like you know uh, funding and stuff like that, and was like a big buzzy company, but nobody really knew what they were doing. Um and they just kept hinting that it was like oh you know gonna change everything type uh product or whatever, but never really like came out with a big debut of what it was, um, and then uh, so well anyway so this week I guess they they finally like fully unveiled their product and it's called an AI pen, and um, oh
1: I saw this on Mac Rumors okay yeah it's the seven hundred dollar thing right
0: yeah it's like a seven hundred dollar badge sort of thing that you can you can pin to your clothes magnetically right like it's actually uh, uh, I was surprisingly I was waiting for it to be like the dumbest thing in the world and I don't know that it's necessarily the coolest thing ever but I I was surprised with how much I thought like okay I could actually see this being kind of neat it actually reminds me of like how they have the um, communicators in Star Trek they like hit their thing and talk to it or whatever like it kind of acts that way like you'd wear it on your clothing and then you can like touch it to like speak to it and then um you know it 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 uses ai so it's not there's no apps or anything like that you basically just like tell it the things you want it to do and it'll like try and do them for you but it can also um project a display onto your hand which i thought was like a really interesting thing so if you really do need to see something it it basically projects it onto your hand and then you can like use your hand to like gesture and hmm. select options and stuff like that I don't know. It's very futury, and um, I could see it being really useful if that's like an actual wearable. That um, you know, the 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 list of like examples they used, I thought was like so a few pretty compelling things or whatever. But it also feels like it's probably a very first gen type thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't see it as being like a phone replacement, but I also think it's kind of cool. It's seven hundred bucks, and then you got to pay a monthly. Connection feed a T-Mobile is their partner. So you'd pay 24 bucks a month to have this thing. Um, but I don't know. I I think it's neat, but it, it reminds me of like where AI is going in products like this or products like your glasses where everything's very conversational. You can tell it like to do specific things and it'll understand what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's like the key to what what's happening with AI right well- now
1: yeah so so what's bonkers is like so did you ever see the uh the joaquin phoenix movie her ever i never did watch that actually so so that's 10 years old now i I just looked it up Came out in 2013 weird and it is kind of shocking how close these glasses kind of feel to that like they um you know because i've seen your new friend well i've seen this part of like this the like chat gpt stuff is like Mm -hmm. um uh, like virtual friend kind of things, where it like mm-hmm. uses the same sort of conversational language, but like like chat with it, right? Mm-hmm. And like the the way that I'm able to talk to these glasses and the way it responds to me, like if it had like like five percent personality to it, mm-hmm. like we would be real close to that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's like that's like really kind of yeah, really kind of wild. I mean, like the whole thing. I was just like thinking about the whole thing. Like it's um sort of incredible how we've gone from, uh, you know, like Google glass being like so problematic for people. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and how rapidly all this sort of like different technology has become like completely normalized and things just mm, like, yeah, people don't care about anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I am, I am kind of really curious to see like, if, if smart glasses like this sort of like take off, like, what is the, kind of like cultural response to that going to be if there is one at all mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like you know the video i sent you me driving through burger king and it, like mm-hmm. recording those people i had no fucking idea they were being recorded you know i was i was just yeah. another person coming through the drive through wearing glasses you know yeah um it, it was just i i promise there's no no inclusion anyone well knows. i
0: think like um the snap glasses only came in like bright yellow or something weird like that right and then like Google, Google glasses were very obviously yeah. what they were. You know what I mean? So you couldn't get away with like, oh, there's accidentally a camera on my face and you wouldn't yeah. know it. But these just look like Ray-Bans. Like gray
1: bands. Yeah, they just yeah. Look, look, look like Ray-Bans. And I, I think what's weird is that, you know, like people, like when you're holding your phone up like this, like people know you're recording, right? Like that's, this is like the the international sign for you are on video yeah. right now is, is right someone right. walking around like this, right? Yeah. As opposed to like how innocuous these are i mean like you don't even need to touch the glasses you can just use a voice assistant to be like hey matter mm-hmm. record a video and you can mm-hmm. say it pretty quietly too like surprisingly mm-hmm. quietly and did just you just r- trigger
0: some listeners meta
1: device i don't know i hope not <laughs> but um but i don't know so i mean the initial out-of-box experience was cool enough that i ordered them so i guess we'll yeah, see yeah, yeah. um
0: i i'm curious i want to try them out i would just buy the sunglasses version i guess but they're so expensive um, so I don't know. I Yeah, and that, that was I, the other
1: cool thing, too, is like my, uh, my vision insurance, like covered most of the cost of them. So like, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, me, so.
0: that's sweet. Yeah, I don't know.
1: um, I, uh,
0: I feel like nowadays, the stuff that's normalized is like you were showing like you're holding up your phone and filming. Everybody's filming with their phones mm-hmm. all the time. Everything gets filmed. There's body cameras on police now. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like when Google Glass came out, that was more weird. Um, now I think people are just kind of used to it, so whatever um but anyway, yeah I, I I'm glad to hear that you like them and the first impressions are positive or whatever
1: but. yeah, but my my primary concern was like do they do they fit my face well and are they too heavy because like um I tried these like weird Bose ones at I I don't know years ago at some conference and it was like mm-hmm. really at the the border of like, what would be an acceptable amount of weight to be hanging on like your ears and nose, you know, whereas these, honestly, they just wear like Ray-Bans, man. It's, it's, it's really, really surprising. So, yeah. uh, Um, So I don't know. Well, this, let me hit one of the
0: emails because they kind of talk about smart glasses, although not these kind, because uh, the title of this email actually says the other kind of smart glasses. Hmm. And uh, this is from our listener, Kyle, who has emailed us before. And he says, hey, guys, I saw the title of this week's pod and got really excited, but then realized you were talking about the other type of smart glasses. Those that wirelessly sit, up, wirelessly sit on your face all day and take pictures, video and work as earbuds you don't need to put in and take out all the time. Um, I thought you were talking about getting into the second generation X Xreal Airs and the company was previously called Inreal. And I, I have watched like some videos of people reviewing oh, those first yeah. gen ones or whatever. Um. But he goes on to say, uh, which are the type you can plug into a device with a USB-C port and get a screen projected into your eyes. The new glasses are a small improvement in a lot of ways over the old ones, maybe most significantly adding 120 hertz and an electric dimmer to block out more or less outside oh, no light. Um, yeah, I've seen reviews of these things. I've never tried them myself, um, but they're kind of interesting. I remember like when the Steam Deck came out, there was around. round, I, I feel like these launched around that same time. So there was a lot of people being like, Oh, you can play your Steam Deck through these X uh, in real glasses or whatever, and it's kind of like this weird, I guess, augmented reality sort of experience. But, um,
1: interesting, yeah. I've seen, yeah, I, uh, I've seen these on Amazon, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was always like, man, man, some company I've never heard of before making something that sounds like magic. Like, I don't know about this, mm-hmm. this seems sketch, but um, yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know,
0: the impression on them has been like, these are neat. I'll maybe use them once in a while. It's kind of like a cool thing, but like it's not like how I'm gonna play games forever. but I, I've also heard people talking about like, oh, this is ideal if you're like flying, you mm. throw your glasses on and like play something or or whatever. So um, I don't know it's it's interesting that you bring those up and that that's what came to your mind when you thought of smart glasses. <laughs> yeah, so I
1: had um yeah, a, I think we million... should try
0: a pair of these out though.
1: Well, a million years ago now, I had the Sony Trons. You remember those? They we were like the very, very, very first generation of this sort of idea. Um, um, they actually and, don't ring a bell. I, don't know, I, I like traded someone like a shitty projector I had or something mm. goofy like that for for these and. Um, yeah, they're they were really bad. I mean, it was it was a cool little toy, you know, where you'd like hand it to people and be like, Oh wow, I have a hundred and twenty-inch TV in front of me, mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. r- really not usable for pretty much anything because the resolution was real low, the color production was extremely bad. And mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it was like I think they came out like during that time. Where Sony was like just releasing all kinds of like crazy stuff, like the remember that mm-hmm. robot dog that they had, the Ibo or whatever. It was yeah, called? yeah, I wanted one like, of those. It was like a similar similar era, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, these things are cool. Like I I feel like if you were uh, like like to me the ideal use case for these were like if you were a kid that like didn't have a TV but mm-hmm. wanted to play like games, maybe mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. But uh, TVs are so cheap now. I don't know why you'd buy a. Oh, damn, these things are expensive. Yeah. For
0: some reason, I was thinking they were like less than hundred bucks.
1: <laughs> well, so there are some Um, I've seen some that are very cheap comparatively. Mm-hmm. But I, I, mm-hmm. again, like I, it seems like you, what you pay for on that sort mm-hmm.
0: of thing. I will consider spending a bunch of money on this. Um, think about it um but anyway yeah i uh yeah there's like i haven't one... tried those out i'd be interested in it man it sounds like with how many youtubers i've seen review these i could probably email them and be like we want to review one touch arcade we want to send us a pair but um yeah, we yeah we'll see
1: yeah um, but, like the, the cheapest ones are like 300 bucks on amazon oh there's yeah. ones for 140 but uh, those look awful yeah. um, um so
0: kyle's email also goes on to say for an entirely unrelated question Says, what is a device or product that you bought without hesitation that was to others, or maybe in hindsight, the smallest or most trivial improvement over something you already owned? Uh, Oh, geez, interesting. That's a a tricky one. Bought without hesitation that was the smallest or most trivial improvement over something you already owned. Probably my new iPhone (laughs) because I kind of I think if I could go back, I don't think I'd buy the 15 pro I think I could have been hanging tough with the
1: 14 pro for a while. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of, kind of a lot of money for me. I've been on this like bender over the last few years of like, uh, buying different kind of like meat thermometers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And like what I thought was a pretty, pretty decent bump in functionality was like, so I have the, what is it? The thermal pen, thermopen pen, Mm -hmm. uh, thermoworks.com. Mm-hmm. I have their, uh, Thermapen, which mm-hmm. is just a, an instant read thermometer. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, um, so I had the original one, which was very fast. Uh, but then a year or so ago, they released the Thermapen one that mm-hmm. reads in one second or less, as opposed to two to three seconds. Wow. And Lindsay was, <laughs> Lindsay was like, why are you buying so another time one? It's like, who cares? And I was like, I mm-hmm. don't know. I, I love this thing. And it, this one's better, so.
0: But now she has a new hat. There's another um, seventy
1: bucks. I guess, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. The
0: throwback. I um bought when the GameCube that had the um Zelda collection came out. Remember they released those? They released the N sixty four Zeldas on a disc for GameCube with the and it had a Master Dungeon or Master version. Oh yeah, yeah I have.
1: I have that. Uh, yeah, the
0: Zelda Collection disc. And you could only get it by buying a GameCube bundle. I sold mine on eBay, unfortunately. I think I forget what I sold it for. But um, So back in the day, though, I already had a GameCube. um, But I really wanted that Zelda collection disc. So I went all over town looking for any of the GameCube bundles that had it. And the only one I could find was the, I think it was the silver GameCube. And I had a black at home. Um, And so I bought it to get the game. And then I was like unsatisfied with my silver GameCube. And so I forget why, but I I bought a second bundle just so I could have it be the black GameCube or something like that.
1: And these uh, these things are selling for a lot on eBay.
0: The Zelda Collection GameCube itself or the disc? The The game disc. disc. The disc. You should see what uh, I sold mine for, actually. I wonder if I can look that up. But anyway... I don't know. It was a dumb OCD thing on my part where I'm just like, yeah, they're going. I, for like, I, I need know. the right color. GameCube 80 um, to
1: 100 plus dollars, depending on condition. Looks like the ones that are like totally shrink wrapped sell for a ton more.
0: Hmm. I don't but, know if I can look up. I can't remember when I sold this. Oh, my gosh. eBay, just let me sign in. Quit asking me all this stuff. Uh, But that
1: I feel like that was worth more at at some point in time because I remember like looking that up being like, holy shit. Like I I feel like I got mine for free as some part of like mm -hmm. pre-ordering the Wind Waker or something, Mm -hmm. maybe.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um I did Nintendo giveaway at the promotional disc. Uh I I I really think it was the Wind Waker order. Oh boy. I don't, yeah. Know.
0: I can't, my history can't go back that far. Well, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, Kyle closes things out by saying thanks again for the pod. I look forward to a new episode every week. Well, we try to do them every week, it doesn't mm-hmm. always happen, but anyway, thank you, Kyle, for emailing in. Um, we have. A few other people emailed in this week that I think we're going to have to save for next week, maybe. Fine. And if some more people email in, then maybe next week will be a big email episode. But uh, I wanted to get to that one for sure, because it talked about smart glasses. Um, But let's hit on the other big thing that happened this week, which was they announced a new Steam Deck, which um was kind of funny because I feel like a month or two ago, there was all these stories going around being like, oh, Valve said there's no Steam Deck sequel in the works or whatever yeah. and it's if they do a Steam Deck uh, a new Steam Deck 2 it's going to be like years out and all this stuff Um, I think a lot of people I, you know it's funny when you think about a, a company like Valve is like you can't infer a lot of things like from what they say like mm-hmm. they just kind of say what they mean right and then other people kind of run with it I think and so they never said we aren't going to do like a slight revision of the current Steam Deck. Um, I think somebody asked them if there would ever be an OLED version like Switch. And they were like, it would be really hard to do or something like that was Mm -hmm. their quote. And so everyone sort of took that to me and like, oh, there's no refresh in the works or whatever. Um, But that turned out to be wrong because this week they announced the Switch OLED kind of out of nowhere. And um, it's pretty sweet. Like it's... uh, it's very similar to the switch um oled yeah. refresh in in that it's not um not a massive upgrade in a lot of ways like they it's interesting cuz some of the youtubers that have got them in hand already and have taken them apart and stuff they've they've touched every part of the device and they've redesigned a lot of things on the insides and they've made a lot of things better overall but it's all very incremental upgrades right and yeah. so It was funny. I didn't notice this, but on the Steam Deck subreddit, there was like multiple threads of people pissed off. Like, how dare Valve? How dare they come out with a new hardware? I just bought a Steam Deck and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, okay. I get it. Like, it sucks. But also, I remember upgrading to... I bought the Switch OLED, like, as soon as you could get them. They were hard to get for a minute. But as soon as I could get one, I got one. Mm -hmm. And was like, Cool. I don't know. Yeah, like it's fine. It, it doesn't drastically change how I was enjoying my Switch anyway. I feel like it's going to be the same thing for this newer Steam Deck that like, yeah, the OLED screen's going to be better. But, you know, the old screen wasn't bad. And also, if you did things like uh, if you ran like deck, uh, decky and all those little tweak things that you can do, you could adjust the screen colors and saturation and all that junk on your own. And I did that a long time ago and it drastically improved things. So, Um, yeah, I feel like this is nice going forward for people that buy brand new steam decks, but it's not really a reason to like dump your current one and go buy a new one. Um, and I also, unless you're
1: extremely stupid like me,
0: yeah, well, uh, people like us will do that because you have to have the new thing. I mean, imagine not having
1: the limited edition (laughs) steam deck. I mean,
0: the OLED screen is nice, but I feel like the bigger boost is that it has a bigger battery, 50 watt hour compared to 40 watt hour. And that can translate with with the screen also being lower power um and they redesigned the um the uh cooling system on the inside so it should run cooler and so all those things combined at least in the early testing show some pretty significant battery gains And I feel like that, if anything, is the reason to upgrade, not just the screen itself. Well, it runs um,
1: runs co- significantly cooler too. Like, like yeah, less fan noise and stuff. I, I don't know.
0: really have a problem with the fan noise yeah, on my either. Steam Deck, but I, I've seen people talk about it. And I think there's different batches of fans out there. And I think there's some people that have a loud one. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I could see that being annoying, but um, I personally don't mind but it not getting not, you know, running cooler is just a good thing overall. So um yeah, it's just interesting that they uh, they kind of launched this thing out of nowhere. Um, the good news is, if you don't care about this newest model, they did drop the prices of um, all the existing models. And so the way it's going to work now, it's kind of like what Apple does with new iPhones. Um, the previous uh, 512 model and the previous 64 gig model, which was the entry-level model before, and was kind of like the one that... I don't know. I I know a lot of people that bought that one and then
1: swapped out the hard drive for a bigger one and were happy with it or whatever. Well, the, the problem was, and I don't know if they've up, they might have updated this in the meantime, but like there were like Steam OS files, like when it downloads, like all the shader caches and stuff uh-huh. that like had to live what on the internal make? storage, you know. <laughs> right. So it was yeah. like the the caches and other crap like that that the Steam Deck just needs to like yeah. operate and do all the emulation of. Windows stuff was like taking up the entire internal storage of the yeah you know
0: I want to say too that um I feel like the 64 gig model originally used a different connection or like port or whatever you call I it where like the SSD connects in right? yeah like, there wasn't like it it was like an odd choice that they even bothered to do that but yeah. whatever the case 64 gigs is not enough room you know like you can buy well, SD like cards most like Steam
1: that. games are like 50 plus gigs right so yeah like you could it's have like not... one game yeah for the for the amount of price
0: it would cost to bump up to a, a 256 even yeah. um previously i would have always told everybody unless you're like techie enough to upgrade the hard drive on your own like just go for something larger but anyway so that that 64 gig model is now until they run out of them 349 Um, And then the old 512 model, which was the high end $650 one, um, is now 450. And that's until those run out of stock, too. Yeah. And so that's actually like a killer deal. If you don't care about OLED and stuff, 450 for a 512 model is not too bad. That said, for an extra $100, you could get the OLED model that does have 512. And um, the better battery life and stuff like that too. So once you get up into those prices, it's kind of like you might as well spend the extra hundred bucks. I don't know, but yeah. if you don't care about OLED and stuff like that, and you've been wanting a, a big discount, this is probably the biggest dis- discount the five twelve model has seen. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks so like anyway, this...
1: Another thing too is this might be a good opportunity to just pick one up on eBay. Like looking in. Uh, oh yeah. Recently, completed oh, people, options. Yeah. like it seems for like sure. the five twelves are selling for like three hundred bucks like all day long.
0: Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. that's a really good point too. Um and so the um so the 64 and the 512 of the L- old LCD versions are going to be sold at those prices until they're gone. The 256, which used to be the middle tier option before, the 256 LCD is going to live on and it's priced at 399. And so this has this is the original model, not the bigger battery, not the OLED screen. Um but it's nice that that like entry point price point 399 which i still think is pretty solid for what you're getting um it's nice that it now includes 256 gig hard drive because that's that's way more reasonable than 64
1: mm-hmm. um yeah, and 400 and to, bucks like to be clear i mean you can add an uh, a micro sd card to it but but i've found that there's yeah. like depending on the type of game it can have pretty significant performance differences with regards it, to it's like very game and dependent
0: yeah um, I generally uh, load all the kind of smaller stuff onto my SD card and then big games I yeah. keep for the hard drive itself. But I even with my 512, I've been running out of room enough that it's like annoying. And then the stupid deck Wi-Fi is so slow. So mm-hmm. if you uh, offload something and then you a couple days later want to play it again, it's like, okay, well, let me set aside like two hours to download it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which has got me, it's got me to the point of where I want to like, Maybe I should pl- hardwire into my internet or plug it in with a USB. Yeah, I mean you can USBC just get a USB-C adapter. Yeah, I mean those are cheap. Yeah, and know. when I know I want to download something, I, I'm going to yeah. try that next time I have to download something. But anyway, um, so the, and then so the way it works now: the old version 256 is now 399. The 512 is now the middle tier of OLED, and that's 549. And there's a new top tier. At six forty nine, that's a one terabyte OLED model, which yeah. is so sweet uh, terabyte. That's a, that's that'll be nice. So, um, that also comes with a. They redesigned the carrying case. I remember the the thing about the Steam Deck is a lot of people really loved the carrying case. was ourselves included, even though yeah. they were, but they were bulky, right? But Extremely they were super duffy. protective. I yeah. thought, um, and so. Valve had a pretty clever idea. They basically made the same case, the same bulky and harder outer shell um like the original case, but now there's a liner that comes out that's more of like a softer molded case, like mm-hmm. the kind that you can buy on Amazon. Um that's way slimmer and doesn't have like a pocket in the bottom or anything like that. So it's really just the goes around the device itself. Um for when you for like in my in my um Use cases, it's like I towed it around the house. I want it to be um covered in something, but I don't necessarily need the like super full-blown case. So, well, like for, I'm just... for me,
1: I bought the one the the slimmer one on Amazon because like the other one was just like a hog of backpack space, you know. It is, it, it is, it's
0: so big, it takes up like half my backpack. It's yeah. crazy. Um, so this is kind of cool. It's like a nice compromise. If you need the harder protection, like you're gonna pack it in a suitcase or something you have it. But if you want to just carry it around and with light protection, you can pull the liner out and it's a more molded case that's slimmer, which that's pretty awesome. So that's only part of that top tier. That's a special thing that just the top tier model gets. Um, so do you know if but all, all the top tier
1: ones are the clear limited edition ones? Or is no, that a different? No. Okay. So,
0: yeah. So there's a fourth option, um, a one terabyte version of the OLED model that comes in clear black plastic with red highlights everywhere. It's super sick looking, but um, they're supposed to be very, very, very limited. And I think the price on those was six seventy nine. dollars um, So it's like 30 extra bucks. We'll see. I mean, if you are going to order the um, one terabyte model, you were sold on it already and you don't mind the extra 30 bucks, I would try to go for that limited one because yeah, even if you get it cool. and hate it, you're going to be able to flip that sucker for a lot. Yeah. um so anyway um new steam deck pretty cool i'm excited about it i think it's a good time to do that the steam deck has been around for about a year and a half now and it's quite popular and um this is like a good middle of the road type update quality of life type stuff and now they'll be able to sell this model for another couple of years and then maybe we'll see a steam deck two, right yeah so um or I still wouldn't mind them doing a smaller steam deck. Um, Well,
1: so the the other thing, if like, you know, if you just want a steam deck that looks like a different color, I mean, you can buy different colored shells for these, like all day long. Shells, the sticker, like, um, uh, what are they called?
0: Like the vinyl, the, the, the stickers that you put on them. Yeah. Um, there's some really good quality ones of those too. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff you can do to customize your steam deck. So, I wouldn't go crazy about like not getting this limited edition one, but yeah. Particularly if you, like if you
1: just want to replace like the back shell, I mean, that's, that's Mm. just a matter of like, I don't know, six or eight screws. The front one is the tricky one. Um, and they sell all kinds of different wacky versions some with lights and other stuff like that. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think a lot of people that are, are, are pissed about this, uh, I don't know. She's like, well, you can just like use your existing Steam Deck. Like it's totally fine. Well, that's the
0: thing that nobody ever realizes. Like, yeah, it sucks to have something that is now the old version of something. And you always want the new thing or whatever. But um, it doesn't change what your Steam Deck could do two days ago before this thing was announced. Right. Like your Steam Deck still plays all the same games. It's still awesome. It still gets pretty decent battery life. Like, you know, you bought a Steam Deck for a reason. And all those reasons were are still in the old model um i think people just get buttered over this sort of stuff and it's like it's weird you know i get it but you know if you bought it within the last two weeks and you feel slighted you can return it if you bought it three weeks ago and you can't return it well i don't know what to tell you sell it and get the new model yeah like nothing valve can really do could change that because one of the argument threads i saw was like Every other company announces their hardware refreshes months in advance so people can plan. But Valve announced this one and now it uh, goes on sale in a week, and that's not fair. And it was like, okay, well, if they announced it and said it was three months down the line, that doesn't change somebody that bought one yesterday how they feel, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it does that, doesn't make any sense. The week thing, I actually like that. I, we've talked about this before with iPhones where we love watching the new iPhone event and then being like, Oh, they go on sale on Friday. They're delivered yeah. the next Friday. Yeah, yeah, like I love exactly. that. So I don't want to wait like six months for something. So anyway.
1: Yeah. I um, yeah, It seems like these are typically at least uh, based on Nintendo, you know, if the same logic of like why Nintendo switched over uh, to different hardware follows here probably would make mm-hmm. sense in that. Like mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of tech blogs that were talking about how, um, like this the fabrication um, I don't remember what nanometer the original uh, switch processor and everything was but it was like a lot of people like hey these factories that make these the fabricators that make these chips are scaling down this process mm-hmm. so what very likely happened was these guys called up Nintendo and were like hey dude like we can keep making these for you but they're going to be expensive because we're keeping this mm-hmm. line just for you
0: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. if
1: you can transition over to you know 10 nanometers or eight nanometers Mm -hmm. i think this is a six nanometer one i don't remember but like Mm -hmm. like well you know it'll be cheaper for you guys like we have all the supply that you ever need and everything else so it really wouldn't surprise me if like that happened with valve and then at the same time they're like all right well if we need to like redesign it for this anyway i guess let's throw a better Mm -hmm. screen in it for the same component cost or less Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just make it sort of a better thing i mean yeah the
0: the the reigning opinion is that, um, the screen supplier is the same one as for the switch OLED. Oh. And, um, the, the internals haven't been upgraded, but it, it's like you just said it, the original steam deck was a seven nanometer chip and these ones are six nanometer. Yeah. And so, um, that probably won't translate to much, uh, like performance improvements. Like it well, it's all just suddenly... in the, the
1: thermals and power. I mean like that's yeah. you know, yeah.
0: Um, So effectively, the Steam Deck refresh isn't like a better performing Steam Deck, which I think that's really important, too, because I think it would suck to splinter that. I think uh, the one
1: the one thing that kind of remains to be seen, and I I only watched a few of the different review videos, so I don't know if someone touched on this, but like so the OLED screen has a 90 hertz refresh rate uh, up from 60. Mm -hmm. So but but at the same time, like the Steam Deck isn't really powerful enough to like push 90 frames per second in Mm -hmm. most games so like Mm -hmm. does that how much does that matter you know Mm -hmm. like I don't I don't know what the answer to that is like yeah because you know like when you're playing PC games on your normal computer like going from a 60 hertz display to a you know 90 to 100 plus hertz is like a very significant difference Mm -hmm. but that's with Mm a high-end computer and a high-end video card and stuff like that that can Run those games at those frame rates to maintain that. And the Steam Deck, I mean, most. It seems like most of the stuff I play that's like even remotely sort of new, you, Mm -hmm. I find myself like looking up a guide on Reddit or whatever where it's like, okay, here's the best settings to run stable at 40 frames per second. Yeah. You know, like nothing ever is like, all right, dude, like this thing's pinned at 60 unless it's like some random, (laughs) you know, very old game or an indie game that isn't very demanding or something like that. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah um yeah i don't know we'll see i uh i'm psyched that they're doing this and uh valve is sending me the new one that should be here today actually um Mm -hmm. i'm actually very nervous about it making here that it's not here yet but um so i will try to kind of post some impressions but i don't think i can offer anything that hasn't really already been said it's 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 funny because you can't show the difference in screens unless you're watching it on an OLED screen. So it's like, I've watched some of these. Here's the old one. Here's the new one. They
1: look identical. But it's because I'm watching on my computer on on YouTube. So I mean, that was the same thing with the new Switch, though. I mean, like the comparison videos are like, these look the same. But then when you got your hands, I was like, oh, wow, this is a pretty big difference yeah so um i don't know i think i'll try may, i don't know i I'll, I'll probably decide day of i guess but i was thinking you'll of, try like, I'll, one i already know i'll you. try for the limited edition one and if i don't get yeah. it i'm just like all right well whatever i, I don't need that
0: well you got to be careful because if you're spending time trying the limited and the uh the the top tier new one sells out are you going to be bummed eh, probably not i don't know
1: i mean i i like I, my steam deck's fine
0: I honestly might try and buy the limited version too because it's limited, man. I gotta, I mean, I'll just
1: throw my old one on eBay and yeah, (laughs) I I do think that it would be nice to have the larger internal storage of because, like, what I typically have myself doing is like shuffling stuff off and on the SD card depending on like what I want to play, like, particularly, as you have these like mega games that have come out recently, like Baldur's gate three is like, mm-hmm. like 230 gigs or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, if I, I need this on the main storage, so it loads quickly and I need mm-hmm. to like offload like over half the other games that I have installed onto the SD mm-hmm. card. And yeah. so it would be a, I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess it comes down to like how much do you play your steam deck and how much do you value these different like quality of life improvements? Right. Like it's undeniable right. that the cooler temperatures is nice better thermals across the board you know quieter fan that's nice mm-hmm. better battery life's nice better screens nice more storage that's nice but it's like those five things don't really come together as like dude your old steam deck is shit you know like mm-hmm. if that, how can you it's like if you one, all. cool it's yeah. nicer but yeah if you don't well okay who cares yeah. like
0: yeah no i agree um <clears throat> okay we got to wrap things up because I really, I got to leave soon. And also sure. there's an hour extra of podcast after we're done talking. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So get, um, listen
1: to the macro <clears throat> show attached to this. If you want, uh, we gotta yeah. just talk about the you know Apple gaming in general. I mean, it's, it's a far more generalized audience. So, you know, it's as a result, there's no
0: wacky antics like there no, normally is on our show, no but I antics. did think there was a lot of interesting discussion about Apple and gaming. Um, and yeah. it was kind of like, it was actually kind of fun to talk about that stuff. Cause it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like I've asked myself over the years so many different times, oh, is this going to be the time Apple takes gaming seriously and then been burned? So it's like hearing it now, I'm just sort of like, I don't know, the proof will be in the pudding, right? Like we've seen yeah. this, this before, but they do seem like they're taking steps towards wanting to make gaming a bigger part of what well, they are doing.
1: Yeah. And, um, and I, I feel like I can't reiterate enough the point that I tried to make on the podcast where it's like, you know, it, it's it's kind of an unfair question to ask because like I know for a absolute 100% fact that there are people at Apple that deeply care about gaming, yeah. that are doing everything that they can to try to improve it. Yeah. But it's like one voice yelling inside of, or, or you know, a dozen voices <laughs> or something like that yelling inside of a truly enormous company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that doing anything requires buy-in from like what probably is just a truly absurd amount of people that all have veto abilities and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um,
0: So yeah, please stick around to listen to that. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess that's it for us uh, this week. Um, We'll read some more emails on uh, our next episode and hopefully have some more Hands on impressions of the OLED uh, almost said OLED switch, the OLED Steam Deck. Actually, you can compare it to this OLED switch. Oh and, yeah, would be uh, interesting you know, how you feel about that. Um, and then Eli will have another week under his belt of using smart
1: glasses. So oh, I'm, sure I'm, gonna we'll retu- I'm gonna return I'm gonna return them instantly. So because I don't want any shenanigans with like them being like, Oh uh, yeah, you can't. You're just gonna anything. wait for your
0: prescription ones. Yeah, yeah. All right. Not before you do a POV taking a dump
1: video, right? Oh, that my phone is full of those.
0: Your father, you are already have enough of those
1: pov shower vid all, yes. right. <laughs> um, all right guys thanks
0: for listening to us uh knuckleheads and now stay tuned for some more subdued knuckleheads on our guest appearance on the mac rumor show and then we will catch you on the next episode of the touch arcade show next week
1: yes
2: welcome back to another episode of the mac rumor show you know i don't know if a lot of people know this or not but um we have a sister site, Touch Arcade, uh, which is all about mobile gaming—games on the iPhone. You know, the name—the name says it all. And uh, these are the main guys. We got Jared and Eli, our coworkers, who I only see. Well, Jer- Eli, you used to be full-time Touch Arcade, and you still do the podcast. They have their own podcast, and so this mm-hmm. episode is all about Apple gaming. And so we figured, why not like reach into our own bag we have like a like an mcu universe a marvel a mac rumors universe where this is the crossover charge episode an appearance fee. <laughs> this is the crossover episode that nobody asked for uh but Should we're doing we do it. some background
1: mm-hmm. on on touch arcade in case people aren't yeah. aware and
2: of... and honestly you guys need to give that background <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I see, mm. no, I, <laughs> I see you guys once a year doesn't know no i don't i see you guys <laughs> once a year but you're we my favorite.
1: text you every once in a while come on that's true i mean we talk but <laughs> So anyways, we have Jared Uh, and Eli uh, from the Touch
2: Arcade, so go ahead. Hi. take it away. Thanks for
1: having us, Dan. Uh,
0: Touch Arcade. Yeah, I guess it started way back in 2008, actually. Um, Arn, the founder of MacRumors, started it along with uh, Blake Patterson, who people might know as as somebody in the retro computer, especially Apple world. Um, And it started, I think, just kind of as a hobbyist blog. Interestingly enough, it started before the App Store was even around, and its first content was kind of covering the jailbreak and like homebrew scene of the original iPhone. Um, And then, obviously, once the App Store did show up and had a bunch of games and stuff, um, there's a ton of stuff to talk about, and there wasn't really a dedicated website to that sort of stuff. So um, Touch Arcade started out pretty popular, but then it just grew exponentially over the next several years. Um, and then I think Eli came on in 09 and I came on in 010. Oh, 010. Oh, 10. Came <laughs> I on mean, at ten fits. And, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, we. I've been there ever since. Uh, Eli Eli left to go pursue other opportunities. What four years ago now? Or Has almost it been five, that long?
1: I, I have no concept yeah. of time anymore.
0: Barn oh. kind of. Hey, yeah, he got so busy with Mac rumors and stuff, and I think just kind of generally getting out of gaming in general. Um, he kind of, I don't think, you know, has he, he's basically hands off with TetraKade anymore, um, and so it's me and a couple of our freelancers. Really, we're really small squad trying to kind of keep up with the uh, constant avalanche of of like mobile gaming news stuff. So,
2: and Eli, you still do the podcast? What yeah, a guy! I just, after uh, after I just after linger leaving around,
1: I'm <laughs> like the guy that hangs out at GameStop that they just like can't get rid of, basically.
2: So, what about well, you well, you left like uh, Jared alluded to, and you did some pretty big things. So, why don't you go yeah? Ahead and so, talk I, about I that. guess
1: a, a little bit of my backstory since um, I, I left Touch Arcade was um, I eventually joined a startup called Game Club. We um, we uh, were doing a kind of cross platform, cross game subscription service that um, eventually launched on both iOS, Android, and Android, um, kind of competing uh, with with Apple Arcade. Um, we eventually, you know, had an exit of that company, got acquired by a larger company. And now I lead, um, kind of the mobile business unit at a publisher called Game Mill out of Minneapolis. Um, people might know them as the publisher behind, uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, which came out, uh, yesterday and, uh, it's reviewed really well. So we're very happy about that.
2: Do you want to talk about that game a little more?
1: I mean, it's, uh... Plug it? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, if you... If you really love Super <laughs> Smash brothers uh and you want a kind of uh love letter to the genre that includes a ton of Nickelodeon characters and a bunch of quality of life improvements that the larger sort of smash community um have been asking for over the years like this is this is the game for you. Got a 9 out of Wait, 10 so on IGN so real What type of characters can I be like for that
2: plug, right? Can can I be a SpongeBob like Yeah like beating up beating up like the Rugrats or something basically yeah I mean it's 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 (laughs) it's a wide that's awesome a
1: wide variety of uh of Nickelodeon characters so
2: now Hartley what is your level of gaming
3: (laughs) well I'm sort of from that 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 time of people uh now long gone um which was people that tried to (laughs) desperately game on max when they basically couldn't with boot camp um mm-hmm. that that nice. I, I was one of those ones um, and All I right. did my best to make it work and it to a large extent did but I think uh, if you're used to slightly more rich gaming experiences maybe not so much
2: Well, that's a great segue because a lot of our topic is like Apple has been emphasizing gaming quite a bit. Um, now I know you guys are mm-hmm. you know focused on mobile gaming with touch arcade but mm-hmm. I'm sure you can still give, Plenty oh, yeah. of. I've been attempting yeah, to game
1: of on Apple platforms since the Apple II. So there you
2: go. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. <laughs> playing uh, Oregon Trail. Oregon and, Trail, uh, then I have a, a, a,
1: a Performa uh, 550 okay. CD, I think was the model, uh, which was just barely. Barely, barely, barely able to run games like Mist and Seventh Guest and stuff like that, which, you know So <laughs> So how
2: do you feel about Apple diving into like now, you know, we just had the new MacBook Pros come out with hardware accelerated ray tracing. Um they're pumping out or trying to get out some good, you know, triple A titles. I was just at a little get together where we got to speak with some developers for a lot of, you know, Apple put on like a little showcase of these uh games and so I got to check mm-hmm. out Resident Evil Four. Um, running on a macbook it was you know flawless perfect um just just felt like i was playing on a console just console level gaming like they promised um we tried the division mm-hmm. resurgence on your iphone which i'm not a big fan of playing games like that like with controls on screen i don't know maybe you guys can touch yeah. on all that but what are your thoughts you we'll and start a lot with... of other people
0: we'll start with jared <laughs> we'll
2: start with jared and then we'll just kind of go in this little square that we got going on here
0: okay uh well first of all yeah with the mac the hardware stuff is, is totally impressive. And I think that's been true since the M1 came out. And I kind of hang around um, some of the, the PC gaming circles, which are notoriously very anti-Apple, anti-Mac, for a, you know, a lot of good right. reasons, really. It's it's the type of people that want to like tweak their own computers, change components out when needed, and stuff like that. All this stuff that Apple's never really been good at letting you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's kind of like funny. There's like you know, a lot of a lot of Apple hate in those communities, and so when the M1s came out, um, I was really surprised that there was a handful of people who went and picked them up just for like curiosity and testing purposes that were running um, games through Apple's like Rosetta like translation layer and then like benchmarking everything and being just blown away by the uh, ability of it and how well it all worked and how seamless and easy it was. Um, and so it was like kind of funny to see a lot of these sort of notorious like Apple haters be like, wow, I'm actually really impressed with what this is able to do. So I I don't think it's like a hardware performance issue. I think Apple's doing a lot of great things there, but I think it's a broader problem um, with like ecosystem because there's no real drive for me to want to rebuy a game on Mac right so I can play it on my laptop right like I most PC gamers have most of their game library through Steam and um, that library lives with you from you know place to place and um, if you are asking somebody to have to go out and buy like yet another version of a game they might already own just so they can play it on a Mac that's kind mm-hmm. of a hard sell I think. And so up until this point, I've always kind of looked at Mac gaming as just like a nice bonus and it's there for like occasional things. But I don't see Apple ever really being like uh, selling computers that people will buy specifically for gaming. Um, it's more of just like, hey, I already have an Apple laptop I already like Apple laptops. Um, and when I'm traveling now, there's like a better selection of games if I'm bored in a hotel room or something like that. But like dedicated gaming machines, I don't see apple ever really kind of breaking ground there
1: yeah Eli, so I, I guess like what do you think? for me oh. um you know again i've been playing games on apple computers basically my whole life you know and it's um it, it kind of to me the the state of mac gaming and you know i guess like apple gaming in, in general still um still feels like they're responding a little bit to the um i guess like accidental success of gaming on the app store right like because because when you yeah. when you looked at um you know, kind of the genesis of all of this i guess it um you know like, like remember steve jobs was adamant of like hey if you want to do extra stuff on this phone like use a safari web app kind of thing right and um mm-hmm. That I think the App Store kind of came about as sort of an answer to, you know, the early days of Obsidian and all those other things, right? And it, it just, I think it took them by surprise by how well it's done. And it seems like, you, I mean, God, I've, I've read articles uh, of people speculating that Apple is the number one game company in the world right now based on revenue just from the App Store, you know? Um, yeah. But, but it, it still sort of feels like in a way that they're still kind of trying to figure figure out what to do with all that I mean I don't mean to discount like the effort that apple has made over the years I mean obviously like Apple arcade's incredible um you know some of these new games on the mac like particularly on the newer models I mean it feels like magic how well they're running on Apple silicon and stuff but I just yeah. like I don't know I just I, I just kind of wish that they would go just like one step further because like I feel like if apple kind of went just a couple steps further they would it, it, it this gaming stuff would stop feeling like kind of sort of like an interesting hobby for them and a side note and like something that is like truly transformative in the game space, you know, it's like they have the money to do it too. So, um, uh,
0: and are you talking like if they did something like a dedicated gaming, well, console, not even or like an
1: Apple, TV I guess just, just more with like something? the software that they're, that they're pushing, you know, it's like so. Like for me, like the resident evil village stuff mm-hmm. that you know we've been talking about on the touch for K podcasts about, you know, how, it just sort of feels magic that these Resident Evil games are running on your phone, right? I mean, like, if you would have gone back to the early mm-hmm. days of, of iOS devices and even even suggested that you would have parity with game consoles inside of, I don't know, a decade or less or something like that, like, people would, would just laugh you out of the mm-hmm. room, right? And instead, it's like, dude, I'm playing yeah. a game on this that, like, I arguably looks better maybe than my xbox or playstation or whatever <laughs> um but i just yeah. I, I just I, I just wish that they would uh lean into that in with game releases that would actually like get people's attention as like oh i, I gotta get a mac to play this game because it's an exclusive or mm-hmm. or whatever else because you know an older resident evil game just sort of isn't that exciting compared to like what i like i guess they just like don't have like a system seller you you mean you're not
2: excited by resident evil 4 which came out when i was like 14 yeah i mean
1: like that's that's the thing (laughs) well to be fair it's the remake i mean
2: (laughs) it's been remade like 40 times
1: i mean don't get me wrong (laughs) both these games resident evil 4 and village are outstanding titles but it's just like amazing yeah you know it's it's sort of the same problem that i feel like vr has in a way and that it's like what what is the title either in vr or on the mac app store or whatever where you're like you know what no i I need to get a mac because they've got x y and z like vr is sort of in the same spot we'll touch on
2: we'll touch on vr later because that's all going towards that um and it was pretty pretty clear but hartley what about you what are you what are your thoughts on some of these new titles that have come out and the way it's being supported on the mac Is, is it something that like you just kind of agree with Eli and Jerry where it's like eh, not not going to be taken seriously still but a nice to have or do you think it's the opposite?
3: Well I agree I think that we're we're still at an early stage but something has changed at Apple in the way that they are presenting this gaming has been a focus um, at the last two events and I feel like they've been talking about it increasingly um, before that and now it feels like they are they are going for it a little bit more in terms of rethinking. Um, the Mac in particular as a gaming device and rethinking the iPhone and the iPad as able to play console level games. Um, mm-hmm. So it's sort of a reevaluation of these platforms as a whole, but I completely agree with Eli that they kind of need to go a bit further. Um, and I wonder if the way to do this um, in the long term, because I don't see it happening next year, if they just secure um, you know, another couple of maybe slightly older um, console titles, would be to invest in original content. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is not something Apple would have done 10 years ago, but they're now spending over a billion dollars a year on movies. So if they were to invest in just a couple of um, AAA Mac exclusives, or at least um, uh, exclusives to the Apple ecosystem, um, that would be something really interesting and would really kind of... Uh, draw a line in the sand in terms of apple's commitment to gaming but i don't know whether that's very likely i don't know whether that's even yeah possible. i'm
1: 100 with you there because it, and it, it, i feel like jared and i have talked to death about this either you know in discord or whatever else where it's like it's very cool that these games exist but like you know if you could choose a way to play resident evil village it's like the iphone is probably the least ideal way to play it right and like Mm. The Mac is is better, I guess, because, you know, it's more of a sit-down experience. But I just, I don't know. What about if you
2: were to use, like, those backbone controllers where you connect it to the, you know, to, like, the sides of the
0: phone? I'm a big backbone fan. Yeah, or if
2: you, like, (laughs) brought your own PS5 controller or Xbox controller to the iPad Pro. Like, so part of that showcase that was really, like, cool for me was, I'm like you, I don't, you know, I talked about earlier, I don't want to play games like that. I don't want to, I don't want to press, you know, that, that's not the type of game that I want to use my phone for, unless I had a backbone controller or something else. Um, and probably same with the iPad Pro, but like the fact that I could do that and that they all sync throughout the, like I could buy one game, I could start Resident Evil, I could play it on my Mac. I could be on the you know, subway or wherever I'm at on the plane, mm-hmm. playing on my phone and then pick up later mm-hmm. back on the Mac. Or when I get home on your Apple TV like that, that's cool because it's just, it's the ecosystem that is what makes app, you know, Apple appealing to most people. And if we can get games like that, um, you know, I think that's an interesting well, is that, concept is that and true then of my both? other question There's for you-
1: evil games. So I think you can only do that. with one of them, right? Jared.
0: No village village is already on the Mac app store. Right. And um, that version is not going to be universal with the one that just came out on iPhone. Right. Um, but Resident Evil 4 which has not launched yet will be universal across all Apple platforms. So that I, I agree I, with you that that's kind of a cool like yeah. bonus. Like if you bought like it's more of an incentive to buy like oh, I don't want to spend the money on Resident Evil 4 on just the Mac because I right. don't know how much I'm going to use it, but if you are like, "Oh, I can play it on my my phone, my iPad or the Mac or whatever." that's kind of more incentive to spend the money for that particular version, um, to have it with you on the go when you want. Yeah,
1: because I think that-
2: And then not to mention, not to mention Apple Arcade Library, you know, there's some good games on there too that like, you know, that that all, that's just how it works. And then real quick for you guys, I'm an idiot when it comes to this like PC gaming, I have no idea, man. So like with Steam, Mm -hmm. what is to stop Apple from, like you can do Steam on your Mac, Mm -hmm. right? Is it just certain things Mm -hmm. don't work though? A like a lot of things yeah. don't work can you yeah so how, what's what's it's the really fix up
0: there? to the it's really up to the developers of the games themselves to add um mac support and a lot of them do and a lot of things launch even like day and date uh, as a windows and a apple version on okay. steam so like if you own a mac you can go download the mac version of the steam app and it will go through the library of games you already own on steam and tell you these are the ones that work on mac and you can download them and them on your Mac. And it's, it's not bad. Like there's not, there's a decent selection, but I would say like the biggest stuff usually launches as windows first, and then it'll maybe come out down the line. They'll add support for Mac, but it's always, the, the problem's always been that the audience isn't there to put in the work to make a Mac version really. So it's like, okay, like we can put a Mac version in there, but who's really going to buy it. Who's going to make it worth our, our while to even add this
2: so isn't there Actually, wasn't there something that apple introduced hartley about like making games a lot easier like for developers to be able to just kind of make that happen yeah, without yes so that's ton the,
3: of... the the game porting toolkit yeah um which mm. was introduced at WWDC. Mm-hmm. um and apple is definitely in- investing on the on on in terms of the software um uh with those sorts of tools and they are investing mm. obviously in the hardware with apple silicon but This for for me is the missing piece, and this kind of goes back um, to what Jared was saying previously, which is that there is this sort of missing piece in the ecosystem, which is something that works a little bit like Steam. And I think that Mm -hmm. we need almost in the same way that you have like Apple Music Classical separate from the Apple Music app. And yet it doesn't have any content that isn't available in the Apple Music app. I think that's what needs to happen with the App Store and games. Games need to have their own center. Um, I I mean, literally, Apple used to have um, Tout Game Center way more. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) I would like to see an actual Game Center app where I can use it as a launcher. And then you can, mm-hmm. you can tie that into iMessage, you can tie that into a, a, bunch, a bunch of other features and actually make that available cross-platform. And it would feel mm. more like a cohesive experience because that's actually weirdly the thing that holds me back is I don't want mm. to see gaming apps alongside my productivity apps on my Mac. It just, mm. it feels wrong and weird and kind of disconnected in a way that when you mm. pick up a console or you pick up, or um, uh, when you open Steam, it's, it's just a completely different experience, and I think they need yeah, that, well, that central like, location. It, we, we've talked about that, too, before, where it's like, um, love
0: gaming on an iPhone, but when you get something like a Resident Evil Village that just came out, which is so impressive and cool that you can play something like that on something as small as an iPhone. Um, also, like you're getting dinged with notifications that are distracting you or whatever. Like, is it the best way to experience that game? Um, as opposed to like dedicated gaming hardware. And I, I feel like when the iPhone first came out and gaming started to really kind of take off, I was always like, oh man, I can't wait to have this be my everything device. And all my gaming does is done on here. And it just does everything. And like, slowly I've kind of come back around to being like, man, I really appreciate my steam deck or whatever, because I can ignore my phone. I could ignore the stuff that's happening on it and just focus on gaming. Um, and I, I think that's a better experience for a lot of people. Than having, I don't know, trying to have your phone also be like your dedicated gaming device. There's a lot of stuff that can kind of get in the way of that. Um, but something that Harley just said that I agree with is there's like a missing layer there. Um, and, and that game compatibility toolkit, I don't know much about, but I will say that something that really helped the steam deck take off and become a really popular device was, um, it's a Linux device and it valve created like a, uh, um, compatibility layer that translated windows games to run on Linux very easily and very well. And so for most people that bought a steam deck, like, you know, there's dedicated Linux versions of a handful of games, but it's kind of in the sim- similar boat as like Mac stuff. Like sometimes there's Mac support, sometimes there's Linux support, but like windows is like the default. And so people that bought a steam deck, you just load up your steam profile and it will, even if there's not a Linux version of the game, it's going to run through this compatibility layer and work really well and allow you to play all the games you already own on steam. And so I could see something like that, like rather than maybe Apple even having their own game hub or whatever, Apple just kind of embracing steam and being like, okay, you can use our compatibility toolkit to make games that will run well on the Mac, even if it's like a windows version, because I know that if a lot of people that own hundreds of games on steam already um, were able to just load up steam and, and know that they could install most of those on their mac mm-hmm. i feel like mac laptops in particular would have a good chance of catching on with gamers because one of the big problems with mac with gaming laptops pcs is that um their battery life is terrible and so you're bringing this laptop along on your road trip because you want a game but you're getting like an hour of, of time to run like these big triple a games or whatever that's somewhere where Apple really excels well with their laptops. And so I could actually see like a PC gamer person that has a Windows PC at home to a desktop to game on having a Mac laptop as their like road gaming device and also their normal laptop. Um, if all their Steam games would also work on yeah, it, you I, know what I mean? Right. So I feel like that compatibility layer, giving giving supports all those games you already own is one of the key no, things. I'm,
1: I'm totally with Jared on this. And, and the way that Valve works is so mysterious where they'll just like, release something on a random Wednesday and email six people in the games press and it's just out. Like that's basically how Counter-Strike 2 yeah. launched, right? So it's it's not outside of the realm of possibility that some random Thursday, you guys just get an email from Valve that's like, hey, guess what? We added the Vulcan emulation layer and macOS Steam. Every single Steam game just works on Mac now. And at which point it's like right. "Yeah, game over for the, <laughs> the Mac won't. App Store and gaming because like why in the world would you mess around with the Mac App Store when it's like you can... The steam ecosystem is so mature and so great as far as like all the cloud save stuff your game's working everywhere um, and everything else like if i were apple like that's what i would be extremely worried about so
2: with steam being so prominent in this space like is it is it too much for apple to just like why why haven't they just like if they really want to take it seriously couldn't they just gone out and bought them if they really well, could just make something so that they could port over all so, of the so, games or is it so too Steam late? is a is Steam. Steam's a big? privately
1: owned company owned by Gabe Newell, right? And and as a result, like all mm. the Steam financials are, are private. You know, like you don't know what a non profit okay. company is making, right? So like sure. it is possible that Steam is worth just a truly unfathomable amount of money. Like potentially even too expensive for Apple to buy at this point. I mean like okay. they dominate P- like Steam is PC gaming, right? So how do you input price tag on that like i i don't know it's going to be really interesting uh you know god forbid when when gabe newell finally dies and like whatever happens with steam and his estate and everything else says that inevitably gets revealed and people will just be
3: amazed by how much it's worth i bet no i was going to say that i think really the solution um is either that apple pairs up with another company to provide that compatibility um like with valve and just kind of admits defeat in that way and just says, uh, a little bit like they do with some of their accessories, that another company does this really well and Apple is not interested in the space. And I don't right. think that's too likely. Um, I think it's more likely that they just, they try and do their own version um, of Steam effectively that is is, is uh, unique to the Apple ecosystem. But that's probably years out. So I wonder what the next kind of I don't know, maybe five years look like. Or we doing not just every mm-hmm. Apple keynote get get more games shown off and we we can go wow yeah. at the hardware see, um, and, and the ability it plays. But that's not going to be so impressive in, yeah, in like, a couple of years' time. Yeah, the
1: problem is like Apple really mm-hmm. needs to, to get into the cycle of having these new games like day and date on the Mac App Store or App Store or whatever else. Because like, you know, when I see a new game coming out, it's not really even a question of whether or not it's going to be on Steam on its release date. It's like, of course, it's going to be on Steam, right? As opposed to the wow. mac app store it's like oh maybe this game will be the tech demo that they show for the next round of apple laptops or iphone or something like that and maybe it'll come out eventually but it's not like you know it's not like there's any guarantee that that game will ever be ever be on mac really i mean uh much less you know with a small delay or whatever what about like That's getting a, what major, like a
2: major i was saying getting like a major title that they can go out and kind of throw some money at them to to say hey you release with us for the first three months or something it's sort of what they done
1: with apple would that be enough they you know with a lot of early exclusives and things like that with games that eventually come out later and i think it's had an impact but i you know the 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 hardcore gamer crowd is still so fickle when it comes to that kind of stuff that i think it would take more um you know much more to to really Mm -hmm. get on everyone's radar as like oh okay yeah apple is a a major player in you know quote unquote like the real game space which is you know always such a nebulous thing of what that even means but
0: well i i also don't know what title you could do that with like the newest call of duty comes out in his mac exclusive for six months like the the gaming world would go ballistic over that and it wouldn't i don't think people would be like well fine i'll buy a mac to play this you know what i mean they would just be pissed off for six months until it came out on their pc yeah. or their console you know what i mean uh, I don't know whether there's a title that exists that could be, like, so desirable that it would cause somebody to want to buy a Mac for gaming. But even if there was, like, where do you go from there? Because you still need to have the whole ecosystem behind it to support long term. Because once you beat that cool game, then what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's, like, such a... Hmm, they really need to start kind of, like, ground up to, to try and get their you know, foot into the gaming world because I can't I lost count of how many times over the years we've been like, Apple will show interest in gaming in a serious way and we'll tell each other like, Oh, this is the time. Finally they're taking gaming seriously. And they might come out with some new initiative or something, but then, you know, a year later that's it's like a long yeah. gone type thing. And and the gaming I mean, thing it, never you're... took off. So I, I do feel like they are mm-hmm. taking it more seriously now, but then I just wonder like okay, once these big titles that they've announced have launched and stuff, like when is when are they going to get bored? Or when is the team that's really pushing for that going to like go do yeah. something else? And then yeah. because you saw that happen a lot with Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade launched with a lot of buzz and a lot of weight behind Apple pushing it. Um, and then like a year later, like I think everyone that was part of that team like wasn't with the company or was working on different things you kind of it sort of got stuck into like this sort of cycle of like okay some new games are coming out but there was no big like parade yeah. for it i guess um which i feel like they really didn't capitalize on how much buzz and goodwill they had with yeah the jared i mean launch. like
1: particularly as we you know used to go to gdc every year i mean like it, it was not abnormal at all to run into people that were like ex apple games people that you know like listen to our podcast or red touch arcade or whatever yeah. who are just like dude, I agree with everything that you are saying and you have no idea how hard we fought to try to do these things internally, but it just ultimately didn't go anywhere for reasons, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, um, right. You know, it's just kind of, kind of a bummer. I mean, it's so, so, like, the thing is like nothing that we're saying here, I promise is anything that people in Apple haven't already argued about, you know, like that's, that's the crazy thing. They just like, don't, don't win those oh, arguments. For sure, you know?
0: There's
3: people that want to want gaming to, to be a thing in Apple. within apple so what do you feel really needs to change with apple arcade if they didn't take advantage of that momentum that i agree they had when they start uh, when they started Mm -hmm. but it does feel like the platform's kind of it's kind of that thing that for a lot of people at least you get with apple one and you maybe play one game on it but it's not it's not at the forefront of your mind it's not a must-have service in the way that even other things like apple tv plus now um with the recent price increases it is becoming more of an essential and apple's definitely becoming more confident with it but it doesn't feel like the confidence is there with apple arcade so what needs to change with that well i think i think the lead up to
0: launching apple arcade uh apple spent a lot of money on it and probably made a lot of big expectations out of it um that i think some were met and some probably weren't But I think after the fact, you know, if they're just kind of like, you know, backing up dump trucks of money to developers to make these exclusive Apple arcade games in the lead up to launch, so they could have this big flashy launch. um, Then you're kind of left going like, well, where'd that money go? What is it getting us? Um, It it would be a lot easier to tell if you, if if they shared subscriber numbers or like, you know, player numbers um, with Apple arcade, which they don't. But I think it's, I think it's, reasonably successful now and i think it's kind of just on autopilot and every few months or so they come out with like a big announcement of a couple like really big releases that'll make news and i feel like the months in between are kind of just like the autopilot stuff where it's like re-releases of games that were already on the app store or whatever um or just kind of like very mild exclusive stuff that doesn't really uh make any waves But then like, for instance, there last week, they had a big announcement of what's coming for they announced through November and December of all the new games coming. And one of them was it is a uh, an exclusive Sonic the Hedgehog 3D game um, that's like got a really great art style and stuff like that. And like the buzz on the Internet was like, oh, my God, this looks like the Sonic game we've all been asking for for years and years and years. And now it's exclusive to this stupid Apple Arcade thing. And a bunch of people like mad about that or whatever. And that's a situation where I'm pretty certain Apple's names are, is in the credits and they help finance and produce that game, which means it's very unlikely it's going to come to other platforms. And so if you're like a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan, you know, like this is going to be like the only place you can get that game. And if it comes out and it's super well received and people are like, this is awesome. I don't know if that's like a needle mover for people to like want to, subscribe to apple arcade just for well, that not to make it worse
2: for those people but uh, i did get to play that game a couple of days ago and it was really really good like it felt like yeah i'm old, thinking it's it, gonna be good it felt like old school sonic like i was playing on my sega yeah. genesis back in the day and just yeah it was awesome. it was a lot of fun so uh, the, and
1: the problem though is that like it, it what makes comparing apple arcade to apple td plus a little difficult and and we 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 definitely learned this at at game club is that like people's tastes in games are often extremely specific. Whereas like, you know, you'll watch Mm -hmm. a TV show or a movie about pretty much anything, you know, like people are fans of like action movies. Right. Which means like, I don't know, like anything with explosions. Right. It's, it's enormously vast. (laughs) Right. Whereas like, (laughs) in the the gaming space michael bay
2: had made a career just because of the explosions
1: (laughs) i mean but but in the gaming space you know it it is not abnormal to run into people who are like oh i only play turn-based strategy games you know so like it's it's very Mm -hmm. tricky to build a content library around that because like if you made a subscription service that was nothing but turn-based strategy games you're alienating i don't know 98 percent of the other people uh and and it's it's just Mm -hmm. it's just real tricky so like i think like that's that's sort of something that apple seems like they're still sort of going through with apple arcade is like trying to figure out like who is this really for and making it for everyone creates sort of like a a weird vibe whereby baking it for everyone it's kind of not for anyone in a weird way like it's i don't know it's kind of weird to articulate a a point like that but it's just like again you know people just have very specific tastes that it's hard to fulfill with a a game subscription let's you just have a unbelievable amount of content
0: well i know i know there's a lot of people that i hear from that love apple arcade because they're kids and they're like it's so awesome to be like download whatever games you want i don't have to worry about it like i used to have to worry when they would download a free game and then all of a sudden they're watching weird ads or maybe accidentally buying smurf berries or whatever so (laughs) apple arcade from that sense is it's very nice to have something that you don't have to worry about that stuff And the like breadth and selection of, of game types I think is a good thing. there's a lot of really 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 good games on the service and for years um ever since it came out, I was just like this is an astounding value for five oh, yeah. bucks a month and recently the price that just went up and and we talked about on our podcast where we were like, well now you know a, a lot of people seem mad about that but I was like even at whatever it is now seven I think or something even at like seven bucks a month it's pretty darn good to have that many games that you don't have to worry about any in-app purchase stuff or ads um and there's a a, a lot of really good games like it's still an incredible value i think apple themselves kind of devalued the how good it is by pricing it so low in the first place you know what i mean um but the other key thing i think is having to be part of apple one because so many people I mean, if you're gonna pay, I, I was in the same boat where I was like, if I'm gonna pay 15 bucks for family Apple Music, I'm gonna pay an extra five bucks to get all this other stuff too. It's Might kind well. of a no brainer situation. Yeah, right. I would. Yeah, so like I th- I think a lot of people did get Apple Arcade be- through that and then have discovered, oh, this is awesome! Like I can actually download these games and there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, it it's I think a really good value for money. Um, but I think the the biggest problem with them is that. You know, they go really hot on cold on on pushing it, I think, or making an effort to put, like, really cool exclusives that are are making people take notice. Um, It kind of just, to me, like I've said this already, but it feels like it's been on autopilot for at least the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I echo Jared's sentiments on the incredible value of this stuff. I mean, like, all these subscription game services, you know, whether you're talking Apple Arcade or Game Pass on Xbox or whatever else, I mean, it is seriously just unfathomable. Like, imagine describing to yourself when you were, like, a kid that had, like, the NES with one game that in the future is like, oh, yeah, yeah, your parents will pay a few bucks a month and you'll just be able to play whatever. Yeah. Full games. No messing around. Like, it's just like, truly just unbelievable. <laughs>
2: I used to buy the buyers like game guides uh, when I was a kid of games that I like couldn't mm-hmm. afford, but like I could get the book, but I couldn't like my parents mm-hmm. weren't gonna buy me the game. So I'm like, well, this is my best. And the next best thing is I'm just gonna read this yeah. and then be an expert mm-hmm. at a game that I don't have, which is yeah. Funny. I mean, and, and that to
1: me, like you know, having having sort of the full scope of what it what that time period was like, like you're criticizing these subscription services just kind of seems a little weird because like, dude, these things are so good compared to what you used to have. Mm-hmm. That like nitpicking Mm. random details is just like, what are you doing? You know, like, but I I would, I would be very, very, very curious to know, to see uh, some kind of pie chart of Apple one subscribers of what percentage of people engage with each part of Apple one, whether that's, you know, watching a single show or doing a single workout or playing a single game or whatever else. Cause it wouldn't surprise me if people didn't engage with a lot of it, because it's sort of the default thing that you sign up for with your iPhone, you know?
0: Yeah, another thing with Apple Arcade that I think I don't personally use, so it's not on my radar all the time, but I hear a lot of people um, praise it is that you can play a lot of those games oh. on Apple TV too. And so they'll be like, oh, cool. Like we can play on the living room TV and and they're all very family friendly type games that I can play with my kids or whatever. And there's stuff that we already have anyway. And so if, if you didn't have a dedicated like game console or especially if you have like younger kids that maybe aren't ready for that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, this is like an awesome way to play games on the family TV altogether um, that you already like own already. So that's kind of like a huge selling point too to somebody to want to subscribe to it. Um, But I don't see like Apple talk about this sort of thing all that often. I feel like if you marketed it that way more, because I would be curious, like what Eli just said, how many people have Apple one and have Apple Arcade and even know about it? Like my wife does, (laughs) like I had to explicitly tell her, Hey, you're on my family plan. We have this Apple thing. I had to tell her about Apple Music, that she can go on that and do whatever she wants. And then I was like, and then you have this arcade thing, touch this tab in the app store, download any of these games when you're with our kids and they're driving you nuts. Like download any of these games on here. They're basically free Mm -hmm. and you can play them. And it was sort of like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Um, She was like, you know, downloading like the free with ads games to, you know, keep the kids occupied or whatever. And I was like, you don't need to do that anymore. So. I kind of miss Apple pushing some of these aspects of of what's. So yeah, great but about I, it's, I kind of
1: wonder if at the same time, like it, it seems like Apple has been put into somewhat of an impossible position on this, right? Because like Apple Arcade kind of seems like the solution to all those stories that you used to read a few years ago, where it was like, "Oh my God, my kid loaded up this game and yeah. now I've got five thousand dollars worth of charges on my credit card or, or whatever else." Right? Like, Apple solves that problem, sure. but at the same time, like Apple makes. It, infinite amount of money from those types of games existing on the app store right so it's like they're in this (laughs) truly impossible position where it's like they can't really advertise like apple Mm -hmm. arcade is like hey man don't you hate those scammy free-to-play games well check out apple arcade because it's like those free-to-play games are the bread and butter of the app store right i mean like candy crush and all these other games like not only are they genuinely good but they also just like print money Mm -hmm. so i don't know Mm -hmm. i i I, to be a fly on the wall of the Apple marketing as they're having these discussions would just be... Because you know that they just end with like, I, I guess we'll just do nothing because... You know, like... <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because
0: they definitely point out in um, the various Apple events and stuff like that when they're talking about Apple Arcade, they make a point to say no ads and no in-app purchases. You know what I mean? So no. like they know that that's a thing that people want to see or, or value to having games that don't have that stuff um but yeah like you said it's kind of hard to be like isn't candy crush so gross with all of its fake coin packs and stuff you know like they can't say stuff like that um because then they're hurting their their own you know revenue line
2: i want to i want to go back real quick and hartley i want to get your thoughts too what about you said jared you don't play any games on the apple tv have any of you guys done that because I just did it for the first time at that at that showcase and it was like why don't I do this more like you said like why don't I go hey oh, totally. to my kids like y- yeah you got your switch and he wants a new game every every week cuz he beats these so fast and I'm like yeah. dude I'm not buying 60 dollars worth of games like every week we can't do that mm-hmm. but like I could just be like here go wild and we have an Apple TV in mm-hmm. the living in like the loft area like just here's a controller do what you want to do and like have fun so Hartley have you ever like experimented in that and if not like what are your thoughts are you looking into doing
3: that or I have. I've tried it, um, but it's it's not something that particularly appeals to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of, I I wonder if this is, as, in as much as it's something uh, that is is a really appealing feature, say to families or to sort of casual users. Um, I I do wonder where Apple Arcade goes in terms of uh, console level games. Um, because that's that feels like the sort of inevitable conclusion unless this just stays to mobile games and apple arcade sort of defines itself as something a little bit separate um, Mm -hmm. to uh, these these console level games Um, because i can't see uh, apple saying well you can play resident evil on apple arcade but you can only play it on certain devices and Mm -hmm. suddenly then apple arcade is becoming something a little bit different so what what happens with that um and that is a big question and again that's why i think eli's completely right that they look at these sorts of issues and they don't have the answer for it because anything
1: they do hurts one side of the business right so she's like i don't know i guess the yeah the move is to make no move you know (laughs) like
2: well with apple arcade is there any thoughts of that becoming something that goes over to android like one of the questions we have here is like is apple still the king of mobile games like what's the other side look like you know, i test android phones all the time i don't game on them so i could not tell you mm-hmm. um do they have a lot of the same games is it just as equally as popular is it better in terms of like getting games or what
0: i think it used to i back in the day it used to be very clear cut that android was the worst experience for a variety <laughs> of reasons um and and really developers did not want to bring their games to android um, because of the work and because nobody was spending money over there and because there's a lot of piracy more so than iPhone. iPhone was really where people were actually willing to spend at least a dollar on games. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, a lot of times you'd see these cool games come out on iPhone and there'd be people saying like, Hey, I have Android. are going to bring it here. And it'd be like, you know, maybe if this is really does really well for us or something, we might be able to, but a lot of the times back in the day, there was no no real Android would be like an afterthought type thing. Um, and I think slowly that gap has closed a lot to where now I'd probably describe the two as pretty equal in terms of like actual app store offerings and stuff like that. Like each have their own little set of, of exclusives here and there, but largely things that are on iPhone are also on Android. And then Android, you have the added bonus, Of you could download like emulators very easily and sideload stuff or whatever. So for some people, that makes that pushes over the top compared to iPhone. Sure. Um, I still think it's a platform that doesn't make like people aren't as willing to spend for games on Android as they are on iOS. I think that's still true. Um, But I think just like in terms of like options. Um, they're very similar nowadays than they were when when yeah, all this a big first a big reason for that is the, the kind iPod. of
1: normalization of game engines like Unity and things like that, making the cross platform stuff pretty close to automatic. Like back in the day, what Jerry's talking about is like you basically had to send your game off to a game developer that's specialized in Android porting, as opposed to now it's like well Unity just kind of mm, exports both yeah. things. You upload them to different storefronts and true, um, you know works. I to to me iOS is still the <laughs> predominant because that's where the higher value players are that spend a little bit more money. Um, but Android sort of makes up mm-hmm. for that in volume of
3: users. So um, so I also wonder how much the the iPad um, is in that equation because there isn't really, uh, well, I mean, there isn't a, a compelling selection of Android tablets um, right now. Yeah. Um, the, the iPad is just overwhelmingly dominating the tablet market yeah. and for a lot of people um, especially people with kids, the iPad is a really important device, and the ability to buy a game on the app store and most or almost all games will also work on the iPad. Um, yeah, that is something that Android really can't offer um and um I think that holds a lot of people back. um definitely me when i when I have invested occasionally in a game. Um, that i've been happy to pay more for to pay uh to play on on a mobile platform like civilization the ability to play Mm -hmm. that both on the iphone and on the ipad um is what is uniquely interesting about the proposition it just isn't there on android so do we ever think that there's a way to get apple
2: arcade to android because it doesn't seem like it's going to be a threat like you like you said earlier with like pc people aren't going to go out and buy a mac if there's an exclusive there and it seems like The games that are free that everybody can get, that everybody ports over for both Mm -hmm. are kind of there anyway. So, like, what is to stop Apple from doing Apple Arcade for Android like they did with Apple Music and then Apple TV
1: plus being able to? This is a big wonder of mine um, in the larger sort of subscription game space as a whole, right? Because, like, everyone right now has their own subscription offering that seems to be doing pretty well siloed inside of their their own platform like apple apple has apple arcade google has google play pass xbox xbox and pc have game pass um you know playstation has ps plus or whatever and i've i've been really 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 waiting for the day where someone starts making the move where it's like hey game pass is on playstation now or apple arcade is on android now Mm -hmm. because that's going to be a real interesting powder keg of like okay does everything just run on everything now at which point like is 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 there a software draw to a particular platform versus what's the cheapest and the best or whatever? I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be really interesting when that inflection point finally happens if it ever does.
3: But also, Apple is stopping uh, and as well, at least it has put up every obstruction possible to things like um, uh, Game Pass yeah. on um, uh, on mm-hmm. iOS. So yeah. uh, and, and demanding that they go through a browser. So if they go to Android and they just uh, they say, well, we're we're having our own kind of weird games only app store on Android. Mm-hmm. Um, it would become very hard uh, from a regulatory position to defend. Well, it's, that. It's, although this week Apple was claiming that Safari was three different yeah, browsers. But, so but I but something really they don't could know. do though
1: is um, so we, I don't know if you guys remember this or if it was on your radar, but when Fortnite first launched on uh, mobile, you had to get it on Android through like this weird Epic side loaded store. So like you know there is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're getting in some crazy hypotheticals here, but there is a reality where like Apple could make their own sort of, it's like app store for Android where you get all this stuff and people just need to sideload mm-hmm. it. And it's fairly simple to do that on Android and, you know, it'd be any Google policies are <laughs> irrelevant. And, but I mean, that's. <laughs> Can't sideload on your iPhone, but we'll yeah. let you
2: do it on the, uh, on your Android. I, I don't, don't know. Care. It's like, <laughs> it's not my it's device. Like, it's like a what
1: if episode of a TV show, right? Is, is these things happening? That would be really funny. Yeah.
0: I just don't see Apple, I don't see incentive for them to offer that to Android people um, because you would be doing that so that people would subscribe to uh, Apple Arcade, right? And you'd get the seven bucks a month from them or whatever. I don't think you're going to get that from most Android people. Um, And then beyond that, I feel like you're devaluing something that you're trying to position as a draw to iOS platform. Um, So I don't see them giving that up just to be able to have those games be on Android. Mm-hmm. I think they're much happier being like, no, this is something that makes iOS unique and cool. You should yeah. come over here. I mean, if you look at how they've
1: handled you know. iMessage, right? Like there's that the game stuff's going to be the exact same way.
2: Yeah. Um, all right. The last thing I want to talk about is Vision Pro. And so, you know, there's no, there's no denying that, I, like, I feel like a lot of this gaming push, in my opinion, is just trying to set up for vision pro because that in my opinion is going to be what what apple needs in order for that to be like kind of uh, i don't know interesting at launch um mm-hmm. like gaming they don't really talk a whole lot about it but gaming like has to be something that's kind of got to be a forefront right like what do you guys think
1: yeah i mean i so i'm like mm. i would describe myself as a vr hopeful person um, you know, so I've got all the different. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, going back to the original Oculus, you know, I've been buying these dumb headsets and trying to play VR games and stuff like that. But the the list of what I would describe as you know, like actual real good VR games is like, I don't know, maybe a dozen games long, and that's being pretty generous. Um, you know, you've got like Half Life mm-hmm. Alex on PC. The Seventh Guest just came out, um, and just a very short list of games that feel like like full real. VR experiences that could only exist inside of VR. Um, and, and I think like app, that's what Apple is going to really need to have with the vision pro and not just like, Oh, here's another platform you can play beat saber on kind of thing, you know? Right, you know? right,
2: right. Um, so that's why I was wondering, like, what, what is their what, what do they need to do to, to make that happen? Cause there doesn't seem like there's a huge like market that they're behind in, like they are with gaming on your laptop well, and.
0: I think it's tough a tough sell to be like this three thousand dollar headset for gaming right like that's already when there's stuff like the quest that's 500 or whatever or even the older headsets you can get for two or three hundred bucks um i i think that's a really tough sell just from a gaming sense i think it'll be kind of like what we've been talking about how the gaming will be a nice bonus i think apple likes it as a bullet point to try and sell people when the the headset comes out it'll be like look and there's these games that also work and are awesome but in terms of like a killer app type thing, I think you need something like, um, I don't I don't mean specifically Fortnite, but something like that, that's a social experience that young people embrace and want to be a part of. Because Fortnite did, it was kind of the uh, forerunner of, of games as like a shared space experience, right? So you would play Fortnite and it's a cool shooter and you do this stuff, but also you saw kids going to hang out in Fortnite, right and then they started having like concerts in Fortnite or whatever they became this sort of like precursor to what everyone calls the metaverse or whatever now so like i think you need something like that where it's like um a shared space with other people it may or may not be a game or maybe it's both or whatever but it has to be something like that i don't think it's gonna be like one app that's like you got to get the apple headset to try this one specific game it's so cool it's got to be like all my friends You know, same thing as like all my friends have iPhones and now I want an iPhone too. It's like, we all want this headset so we can do the hangout social thing together that all my friends are wanting to do, or, you know, something like that more than like one specific game. I
1: personally, I am, I am absolutely dying to know what ends up being the killer use case for the Apple vision pro because like, that's been the problem with VR for the longest time. I mean, like I've got all this VR junk in my house, friends and family know that I've got VR stuff and you know, when they come over, they might be curious about it and want to try it, but it's a fifteen-minute thing where I run them through like the three or four really cool games, and it always ends with, "Okay, cool, thanks." You know, ne- never, ever, yeah, like, right. "Oh my God, how, where do I get one of these?" Like, "Where do I?" Get I, I, one? I can't believe yeah. I haven't I bought one of these before and everything else. Whereas, like, you know, that the iPhone had that magic, right? I mean, because like when the when the iPhone first started to get good with like you know the the iPhone 3G and 3GS and stuff, like you saw people. That were like, holy cow! Like this is, this is a generational leap over the smartphone that I have now, and I like, I need to get one of these. And I just, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, Apple's going to need to figure out what that is for the Vision Pro. And I just, I don't know. I don't think it's movies. I don't think it's games. I don't think it's mirroring your desktop to a virtual space. And it's going to need to be something that no one Mm -hmm. else has thought of yet. And i don't know apple is really good at doing that kind of stuff and i'm just really excited to see what what that ends up being because it can't just be what they showed in the teaser you know like a 3500 hundred dollar headset I, to watch movies mm-hmm. in a little cooler way you know
2: I, w- yeah. I will i will say um i feel like it can be a little bit really because yeah because uh i'm not a big vr person um i've tried some beforehand I tried Apple Vision Pro and it was far, it was, no, I don't know if I'm a believer of somebody who's going to use it all the time. That's where I'm still waiting to see, like, I got to get my own to like use it, you know, in a 40 minute controlled environment where they're walking me through things. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a little, you know, hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to totally use this all the the... time. But what, what, Mm -hmm. what happens is when I bought the meta quest three, I start to recall like my time with the vision pro and I'm like, that was just so much better to get on my face, Mm -hmm. to get it comfortable. Everything Mm -hmm. looked better. I didn't feel weird. It didn't feel like it was suffocating me. And that's, how i feel every time i put on this MetaQuest 3 i'm like man i just want to do something cool but like i can't wear this for more than like 20 minutes yeah. to where i'm like all right just get this mm-hmm. thing off of my I, that's, face that's that's 100% so, where i'm at with the quest I, stuff
1: too is, you know, it's like the 7th guest game is outstanding yeah. and i, I you know, love the 7th guest from the old mac and stuff like that but it is it is very challenging for me to be in vr for more than like 20 minutes on quest hardware and i do find myself saying and like i think that's god i wish this was better but 3500 bucks better versus $500. I mean, that's well
2: just strip the price away from it though. I think that's where like, you're going to see, okay, I understand yeah. why this is a better experience, but is it yeah. enough at the end of the day when you put the price back in? Like it's $3,000 difference, man. Like, why do I need to spend that much more? See what so. I,
0: I think my problem with VR is I think it's a more fundamental thing of, I don't want something strapped on my face all the time. And you, you think of like Apple's biggest, popular products that people kind of, you know, guessed were going to fail like the Apple watch or AirPods. Those are things that are on your body that are really unobtrusive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, think about how useful my Apple watch was because it was just where a watch would normally be. Right. Or you don't really think about AirPods being in your ears because they're comfy and they have transparency and you know, whatever. I'm always going to know there's like a goggle strap to my face and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to want to be like, um, Choosing like I want to be in the headset world, I want to be out of the headset world. I feel like there are things that work the best are things that are always on you, um, and and aren't like reminding you that they're there. So I think all of their their you know showcasing like the virtual computing um you know environments and stuff like that is all neat. Like all that stuff is really cool, but it requires you to have this headset on, and um. Right now, it just feels like a specific choice you have to make of, I want to put the headset on and do this cool stuff. And when it's off, I can't do all this stuff, Um, which you don't really get with your Apple Watch, which is just always on and always giving you You a useful thing. You can, and people surely will. (laughs) But for me personally, I haven't worn one, so I don't know how comfy it is or whatever. But I just can't imagine wearing that thing around your house all day long just so you have the benefit of the virtual space stuff all around you all the time. Um, I could easily see it being my number one travel
2: accessory of all time, mm. though. Like, mm-hmm. every time you're watching something on your, on your iPad on a plane... Or, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to do some work and you're just like, what is this person next to me looking at? Like I'm talking to my wife, I'm mm-hmm. having a conversation. <laughs> like, you know, I don't I don't need uh, them to see how what's going on. Like you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I always get weirded out when there's movies on the plane that you watch and like there's something going on that's kind of weird, <laughs> yeah. and like you got a kid sitting next <laughs> yeah. to you and you're like, I don't want to watch this next to him. <laughs> like, you know, I just feel mm-hmm. weird about that stuff. So like I can see and like also it keeps yeah. your head straight. You're not looking down. Like it's just comfort. Right. Like thirty five hundred dollars for for my my travel. Well, so phone. here's
1: oh, here's the thing. Do you guys do crazy predictions and then check and see whether or not they turned out to be right on this? You keep track of that at all?
2: N- no, but we should start right, so, doing that. Let's do that. So right here's now. my Go here's
1: ahead. my prediction with the Apple Vision Pro. I think this is how Apple makes it a success. So they lean into all the financing shenanigans that they've been rolling up. You know, with the interest free financing, the iPhone upgrade program, and everything else, make the price of the Vision Pro irrelevant because they they promote it as 150 bucks a month or something like that. You know, with the every year you get the new one, whatever that price point ends up being, but they need to get off. That's not a, well, robot. They, they need to get <laughs> off of this whole, like the headset is so expensive thing. Whereas like if, if Apple yeah. shows you yeah, this yeah, magical yeah. product, but presents it in a way where it's like affordable to you on a monthly basis, particularly with how into financing, like everything Americans are these days, I think that the Apple Vision Pro will mm-hmm. be the next device that every single person has. But if it's, you know, a mm-hmm. you know, 3000 plus dollar headset, that, you know, it's just for I I think you're you're going to the, the problem Apple is going to run into is the people that are going to buy it are they going to be the same people that bought Google Glass and they're going to have a major marketing problem on their mm-hmm. hands as like, you know, all these tech bros are wandering around San Francisco with the headset on and you're not seeing anyone cool wearing it and anything mm-hmm. else, right? Like so that's that's the biggest thing I think they have to fight against.
0: Yeah, the thing's thirty five hundred bucks now, but where will it be yeah, in five sure. or ten years? How much is it going to cost then? Um, because now, you know, people used to laugh at the fi- iPhone being five hundred dollars, and now they're like, yeah. well, over a thousand, and it's not like weird anymore. So, like, um, once the the headset comes down a little bit, I think what Eli's saying would make more sense, where it's like. Well, I'm going to finally get the headset because I can just roll it into my monthly iPhone upgrade program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not like I'm coming up with all that money up front. I think that would make it a easier purchase for people to make. But doing that with 3500 bucks seems like a lot. So I think it's a few years down the road at least before... Um, there's different versions that are maybe a little bit cheaper or whatever, where you can start doing something like that. I think the first few years for sure are going to be yeah. early adopter people that don't care about and the like, money. They just the, the,
1: the problem for me is out. like, I am the exact demographic of person that would buy this on day one. And even me, I'm having problems with like mm-hmm. that, that price point, particularly because knowing that the second one is going to be so yeah. much better. <laughs> you know and my in my og yeah. one is going to be have like no value because it's like the the second one is generationally better and people are like oh, yeah me a thousand bucks for that thing maybe <laughs> you know harley what's your yeah. uh, what's your bold prediction so we can look back
3: uh well i i think the important thing to understand with vision pro is that we try to a lot of the time think about apple's uh past and we try and compare with previous launches. so that's why everyone says oh is this the new iPhone um, and the iPhone was like this, the Apple Watch is like this. And we try and sort of say, well, oh well, this doesn't feel right with the Vision Pro. But I think it's because Apple doesn't actually want to sell headsets. In 10 years, it does not want to be in the headset business. It wants to be in the business mm-hmm. of augmented reality glasses. Mm-hmm. And it can't mm-hmm. get from uh, A to B in the way that it was able to with tablets or smartphones or smartwatches. So mm-hmm. it has to kind of uh, take a, take this alternate route Um, and provide this other product to iterate on uh, the software, on the technologies and to set up all this infrastructure for weird stuff like prescription lenses um, and a a fitting experience Mm. um, and to get people comfortable with gestures and to to really present that product. And effectively, it's almost like we're getting an iPhone in 1997. And we're wondering what it will be like in in 2007. Yeah. that's kind of yeah the, where right. we are with tri- it, and that's that's why it isn't like for like.
1: The, the tricky part of this is that like mm-hmm. you know these these uh, you know stereo 3D VR experiences are truly impossible to convey to people what they're like on a, a 2D kind of like trailer or whatever else. I mean, like Jared, remember the first time I made you mm-hmm. stand in line to try the Oculus at what was that E3 or something like that, and it, it just E3 like blew oh, your yeah. mind. You yeah, know, like we were. Both totally aware of VR yeah. and everything else, just never tried it before, and it's just like, oh my god, this is, you know. I was in
0: like a daze the rest of the day because I was just thinking about like yeah. how crazy it was. Yeah. So
1: I, I'd be interested it's
0: how I felt with the vision.
2: Pro. Well, I'd be interested
1: to see how they they solve for yeah. that problem though, because like for for you to experience the magic, you need to have it on your face, right? And that is not a very scalable mm-hmm. thing compared to here. Watch this. Watch this keynote yeah. on this new thing. You know. But that's why oh, I don't yeah. think they care be. about
3: fixing that problem for years. You know. I think they're not even worried about how to market it. I mean, we talked about gaming before. They didn't actually show off or, or really tout the gaming abilities of Vision Pro. They kind of wanted to say, mm-hmm. this is not a VR headset. This is not like an Oculus. And that's why they didn't really talk mm-hmm. about gaming. Yeah. So the, all they want to yeah. do is just put this thing out there and let some enthusiasts use it. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not forecasting to sell more than about a quarter of a million of them in the first year, which mm-hmm. is really small numbers. They, they're just happy to give this... To the enthusiasts, um, and to just let this thing iterate in the background so that we can eventually uh work out what that should be. Um, and Apple hasn't really done that, yeah, because um, so I- I'm well, here they, for they, it, they, but it's just, yeah, I would actually say that I think
0: that was kind of the path the Apple mm. Watch took, right? Because they positioned it very differently when they first announced it, and um, it kind of took the people that bought it and how they used it for them to sort of morph into being like, okay, and actually this is more like a fitness device and more of like a a notification thing than like, you know, going to be a phone replacement for somebody. You know what I mean? Like it took some years though, because when it first came out, it was sort of like, oh, apps on the watch are going to be amazing or whatever. And you come to find that like nobody really wants to like use an app on a little tiny interface like that or whatever. It's like a better companion device to your iPhone already. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took them a while for them to figure that out. So I could see the, the same sort of thing happening with the vision pro where it's like, okay, here it is. Like, how are people going to use this so that we can tweak things down the line for newer versions and kind of hone in on like what the audience is that's going to want to use it. I'm really
1: curious to see what happens with the whole spatial computing thing, you know, because it seems like a, I don't know, not to use a buzzword, but like a new paradigm shift in the way that you use a computing device, very similar to how, when we switched over from like command line stuff to you know gui based uh you know like window interfaces like you know when you were using dos back in the day you never were like mm-hmm. you know the solution to this problem is i wish i had this thing called a mouse and these things called windows and stuff like that it just like came about and everyone was like oh yeah this is a million times better like why would i ever go back to that so i'm really curious to see right if if we see a similar inflection point with the spatial computing stuff like outside of you know movies or or anything else and um yeah. You know, if the way that you mm-hmm. use a computer drastically changes from just like, here's this virtual screen, you know, like that seems like the most boring use for mm-hmm. something like this. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, we are unfortunately up against our time. So what do you guys want to plug? Let's go. I mean, we, we already said at the beginning that everyone should go check out the touch arcade podcast, but we can say it again.
0: Yeah. Say, say it, it again. Touch arcade podcast. We're on episode yeah, we're 500. Go, go something. I think we're closing Jeez. on 600. Jeez. pretty crazy we've been doing that We've got catch for this long, but um we this i know where are seven, you guys <laughs>
2: episode 78 i believe so we've got not bad we've got quite a bit of ways to go but uh we'll, we'll, we'll hope to reach that one day um yeah i mean this was great we have to do this again because gaming is a space that i'm just like yeah i like games but as Eli said earlier, like I am very much that. I only mm. play sports games very often. I mean, that's like, how people are. I play Madden and I play MLB yeah. and NBA and like, that's it. And even well, then it's like hard to do. Or now with the Switch, I've been playing it since my son's like super into Mario. I've been mm-hmm. playing all of those games again, just getting into it because he's into it. So
0: mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think it's tough for me because ever since the beginning of when I started with Touch Arcade, um, I've just been really passionate about finding like the really cool, unique mobile games. And mobile gaming has a stigma pretty well-deserved, but still, that all games suck. All mobile games suck. is something mm-hmm. you hear all the time. And um, it's just not true. It just takes work for you to find the good games. And yeah. I feel like that's where Touch Arcade comes in, is like, let's try to unearth those cool games so you can ignore all the like noise and find the actual good stuff. But I think I just wish more people would try to give mobile gaming a chance because you're missing out on a lot of really good stuff and there's more good games than i could play in a lifetime they do exist and they do they are out there it's not all garbage like money grab stuff although that stuff's everywhere too yeah. you know what i mean you <laughs> just kind of need to know how to navigate that type of stuff but i feel like people best... are doing themselves a disservice by dismissing it in initially without actually trying to put in a little work to find yeah,
2: it stuff converted
0: and you don't even need to put in the work because you can go to toucharcade.com
2: and you can read nice. all nice. of their yeah, stuff. Yeah, Touch Arcade, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've converted so many friends of mine that
1: are, were like mobile game skeptics or haters to like, well, no, you just like you just need yeah. to stop downloading this junk. Like, check out what we're posting on Touch Arcade and like give yeah. some of those a go. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. It's exactly. actually, yeah. I didn't know games like this existed, you know? All right. So, yeah, <laughs>
2: go check out Touch Arcade, go check out the podcast. And thanks, Jared and Eli, for coming on. And uh, we'll catch everybody in yeah, the next episode. Us.